You are Locked On Pelicans, your daily podcast on the New Orleans Pelicans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Pelicans, the daily podcast covering your favorite team, New Orleans Pelicans and NBA as a whole, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, available on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and of course the brand new podcast app, Himalaya. I'm your host, Pelicans Insider, credential member of the media and editor over at LockedOnPelicans.com, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter. Here with you all on this Tuesday, taking a deep dive on Alfred Payton, and we're going to do his season in review. A bit of an injury plagued year for your New Orleans Pelicans. Then we're going to take a look at how David Griffin is going about filling out the rest of the front office now that this team was turned down by Trent Redden. And I'll throw some names out there of maybe who this team's looking at and what the plan is going to be going forward. Then we're going to spend the final segment making fun of the Phoenix Suns because their GM, James Jones, came out and said a comment that is going to hit all of you square in the chest because you're going to feel like you've heard this all before and it hasn't turned out well, which maybe for a Western Conference rival is a good thing, but they did just hire Monty Williams to be their head coach, breaking news over the weekend, so we don't want him to fail, but he's going to be feeling a serious bit of deja vu. I'll get into why in today's edition of Locked On Pelicans. Before we get to the Alfred Payton season in review, don't forget when you get in your car, tell your smartphone to play podcast Locked on Pelicans to get the latest episode. We're going to have a lot coming for you this summer as the Pelicans hit a really crucial offseason, particularly with the draft lottery coming up in just something like eight days. We're going to know where the Pelicans are picking in the draft. Then we can start projecting players for them, looking at who they may take and keep you up to date on everything you need to know. All right, season in review for Alfred Payton, the guard brought in immediately during free agency last season to potentially be the Pelicans' backup point guard. I think that was the primary role they had in mind for him behind Rajon Rondo, but Rondo then bolted a couple days later in free agency to the Los Angeles Lakers, not really giving the Pelicans a chance to keep him here, and thus elevating Alfred Payton from that backup role to the starting spot, which he did for the first five games of this regular season. Season where the Pelicans did start four in one. In that fifth game, he left due to injury, and this then became kind of a, a recurring theme for him during the regular season where he was in and out of the starting lineup. He had at least three spells of nine games missed or more um, and ended up only playing in 42 of the games for the Pelicans, all 42 starts, averaging basically, we're rounding up here by a couple moments, of 30 minutes per game, 10.6 points per game, alongside 7.6 assists per game. That is a career high, and 5.3 rebounds. Basically, his numbers across the board, other than assists, are right at his career levels. We know the type of player he is at this point and what he's going to be the remainder of his career. Despite being pretty young, he's just 25 years old, won't be 26 by the time next season starts. You would think there's a lot of room to grow there. There isn't. He's kind of giving you all he can give you and you know the type of player, the pluses, the minuses, the limitations with everything. I think it's important to note that he did jump up those assist per game numbers by about one assist per game over his career averages. I think that's good, 
But again, we know the type of player he is. Worth noting, he shot 31.4% from three. He's a career 30% shooter from deep. Basically, he's Rondo in that mold. If he's wide open, he can hit him a little bit better than his average, maybe closer to, you know, 36%. But you don't want him shooting threes, and opponents are going to leave him open on the three-point line, which compresses the space he has to work with, not what the Pelicans want. They want him out there running, playing in transition, and driving and getting to the rim. And if he doesn't have the ability to do so because players and teams are sagging off of him, he can end up hurting your offense a little bit more. Defensively, pretty good on the year. About average, I would say. Not amazing, but not bad either. Serviceable. Something, you know, what you would want from him on this team and kind of what you would expect. He did cut his hair and that had no noticeable difference on his shooting percentages. We thought maybe it would jump up because it previously we've seen that hair get in his eyes, cover his eyes at the last second, which can often throw a shooter off. Not the case for him this year. Again, you know the Alfred Payton you're going to get. He's going to consistently give you that level of play. He did have a bright spot in March last season for the Pelicans, recording five straight triple doubles um, with basically 10-10 in 10 games. Still pretty cool. He set a record with that, um, though they weren't really winning during that time either. But he can pass the ball really well. He can keep the offense flowing. But the most important thing with Alfred Payton is what he does for Drew Holiday. So I pulled some of the numbers of Drew Holiday on the um, when he's on the court, when Alfred Payton's on the court alongside with him versus Alfred Payton being on off court. So we're running these per 100 possessions so we can kind of even them out. But basically when Holiday and Alfred Payton are on court together, Holiday is a much more efficient player. His points per 100 possessions go down by about uh, two, uh, one and a half points per 100 possessions. So no big noticeable difference there. But his shooting percentage from the field goes up 3%. And his three-point percentage, even more importantly, jumps up significantly by 9%. He's a almost 40% three-point shooter with Alfred Payton on the court versus Alfred Payton being off the court. It's 30%. So about a difference of 9 to 10, it's 39.3 versus 30.3. So he's a much more efficient shooter when Alfred's out there letting him get some space and then hitting him on a kickout or letting him get an easier lane to the rim because Alfred Payton's a threat with the ball and Holiday likes to be off ball as we've learned. That off ball part of his offense also cuts down on the turnovers by about two per game as well when Alfred Payton is on the court. He doesn't make Drew Holiday a scoring monster, but he makes him use those possessions that he gets much more efficiently. If you're looking for a guy to kind of be your second fiddle, which is what you kind of want Drew Holiday to be, being a much more efficient second fiddle is way better and he can do the most with those limited possessions that he gives you. So there's a noticeable impact on Drew Holiday when he's on the court with another point guard, Alfred Payton, because there really wasn't another one on this team, uh, versus off the court. So it's nice to see that he has that. He's a free agent this year and you would hope the Pelicans would try and bring him back, even if it's on a multi year deal. I think if you can get him three years, 15 million at 5 million a year, that's a bit of a, a very fair price. It might be a little bit more than that. And I think you're comfortable paying that as well, just for what he does for Drew Holiday, who's going to have an even bigger part of your offense next season for the Pelicans. So this is a good thing. Again, he's going to give you 
10 and 7 every single game, 10, 7, 5, with some flashy potential to go make those a little, a little bit higher, but also keep this offense moving in the half court when he can lead on the fast break. Again, he's also got decent size and he can rebound somewhat well for a point guard. So, hey, good season for Alfred Payton, given that he's on that taxpayer, non-taxpayer um, biannual exception, basically. So he was making just $3 million this year. Good production for that way to rehab your career just a little bit. It was kind of marred due to injury. If you can get more than 42 games out of him, you're going to be happy with that level of production for the price. So I think overall, a very good year for Alfred Payton. So in a moment, we're going to talk more about David Griffin filling out the front office. It's been a little bit quiet on that front now for about a week or so. But this also just shows you how difficult hiring can be and the challenges you face when trying to fill out your own office and your own team. It's tough to find qualified guys. It takes too long. Oftentimes, you're just busy sorting through too many applicants. But there is an easy way, and that's with ZipRecruiter. So head over to ZipRecruiter.com slash locked on. ZipRecruiter sends your job to over 100 of the web's leading job boards, but they don't stop there. With their powerful matching technology, ZipRecruiter scans thousands of resumes to find people with the right experience and invite them to apply for your job. It's doing that headhunting for you and automated, which means it's going to be cheaper than hiring an outside firm. As applications come in, ZipRecruiter analyzes each one and spotlights the top candidates so you never miss a great match. ZipRecruiter is is so effective that 80% of employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a qualified candidate through the site within the first day. And right now, my listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free at this exclusive web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash locked on. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, ZipRecruiter.com slash locked on. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. So we know that Trent Redden turned down the New Orleans Pelicans job to stay with the Clippers. Again, likely getting a big fat raise from rich-ass Steve Ballmer, which makes a lot of sense. He's the richest owner maybe in pro-American sports right now, at least for sure, in the NBA. He's also probably just happy there. And sometimes being happy in your job and just not leaving, even if there's a promotion out there for you, is is worth it and also gets to live in LA, which a lot of people want to do. And if you have a family, you maybe don't want to move them either. So there's a lot of things that go into that decision. I don't know if he does have a family. I'm just saying you get what I'm saying here with it all. So we know that that kind of threw the Pelicans in, you know, plans into a bit of a kink because that was the first guy that David Griffin reached out to when he was officially now announced as the uh, Vice President of Basketball Operations for your Pelicans, basically the head basketball person here in New Orleans. And the Pelicans have reached out to others. They did reach out to Gerson Rosas, uh, who then took the President of Basketball Operations job with the Minnesota Timberwolves. So he's running his own shop. I think you kind of see the problem with hiring a GM and making someone an official GM here, that ultimately they're not the decision maker. Rosas wanted to be the decision maker, so he wasn't going to come here to New Orleans if that wasn't going to be on the table for him. Trajan Langdon is a name they've also been linked to, even interviewing him so much for the position that David Griffin took. It doesn't sound like he did 
all that well in that interview or if he was really ever in that much consideration for that job or if maybe he just wasn't the front runner. Uh, I don't think they were wasting his time. But I know Griffin's reached out to him about that too. And if none of these names come back and they're not paying someone this significant amount of money to be the GM with that title, they might just hire a bunch of other people. And I've been told that maybe they're kind of going for quantity rather than quality, though also the quantity they're getting is quality, it's just not the top names. So instead of getting the top names and paying extra money to get those top names, you'll hire two or three guys to do a lot of the work to pay them less you know, than you would be that one guy. And maybe it makes it a little bit better for you because you have more people in there than otherwise. So that's kind of the update on where things stand right now. And we'll see how things end up. They're talking to a couple of other people as well. But again, as I've said on Twitter and on here, they still have people in the front office who are doing work. Yes, they're Dell Demps's people, but you know the scouting is largely just the scouting, and it's not like they're going to turn in bad work or work you don't trust, or you can give them direction on how you want your scouting reports to look, and so on and so forth. So the wheels are still moving. It's not like the team's waiting on hires to kind of accomplish things, and they're already starting to do what they can, particularly with Aaron Nelson from the Phoenix Suns, bringing him over to revamp the training staff. So things are moving forward in a good way, just maybe going a little bit slower. As you just heard me say, it is hard to hire good people and get the right people in the building, and it takes a little bit. And you don't want to rush that process and hire just anyone if they're not a fit for your culture or if they're not the guys you want. Basically, you don't want to hire someone just to hire someone. So expect this maybe to be a little bit quieter for the foreseeable future, but I would not be surprised if we get a name come in sooner rather than later that they've made a higher level up higher in their front office. So I want to talk about the Phoenix Suns and something their GM James Jones said just yesterday, which by the way, should just send off big red warning signs to anyone who's a Pelicans fan. Before we do that though, don't forget you can get the latest episode of Locked on Pelicans on the brand new podcasting app, Himalaya. Himalaya makes it really easy to listen to podcasts. I've used it to find a number of new things because of the personal algorithm that it has to make the right recommendations for you. There are a lot, a lot, a lot of podcasts out there right now all kind of doing the same thing and some of them not very good to be honest and Himalaya helps you kind of sort through all of that giving you the right recommendations for things you want to listen to so make sure you download the Himalaya app from your podcast store and subscribe to the Locked On Pelicans podcast. So we're going to kind of make fun of the Phoenix Suns in this segment because why not? We need something to laugh at after the season the Pelicans had this past year. But I'm going to give you a bit of a reminder on their front office and coaching structure right now because, oh boy, it's a little weird. Basically, they they fired Igor Koskosov after this season, after being just on the bench one year in Phoenix. They had James Jones be their interim GM all year long after firing their GM like a week into the season or a week before the start of the season, I forget which, and only confirmed him full time way late and didn't really interview anyone else for it. And then kind of out of nowhere, they hired Jeff Bauer, the former GM of the Pelicans and head coach of the Pelicans because he was too cheap to hire an actual interim head coach and just took over for himself uh, by himself after they fired Byron Scott. Um, which really tells you all you need to know probably about how that team is run and their structure during that time. And then they hired him to be the president of basketball operations above James Jones. So you hired your GM first, then the person who normally hires the GM. And then you hired, and I don't know who did it, whether it was James Jones, Sarver, or 
uh, Jeff Bauer, a combination of the three, hired Monty Williams to be their brand new head coach, which good for Monty Williams, even though that's a guy with a losing record who had AD for most of his tenure here in New Orleans. So we'll see how that's all going to go to give you a level of the dysfunction. But Suns GM James James Jones, former player on the Heat with LeBron James, uh, who made a questionable move earlier in the year when they released Tyson Chandler really early, maybe at the request of LeBron James, so that he could then sign with the Los Angeles Lakers. But that's neither here nor there. He had a quote, and I'm going to read it to you right now, and you guys are going to hear shades of Dell Demps in this really quickly. All right, so from Phoenix Suns general manager James Jones, quote, We need to add guys in their prime. We need to raise the floor of our team, and you only do that with NBA players, not prospects, but NBA players. So we'll focus on acquiring those guys via all the channels we can, end quote. That sounds like the young vet model to you, because that sounds like the young vet team building model to me, and I think we've seen it doesn't work. I love the idea of it in theory, and Dell Demps is famous for this because, well, famous, infamous maybe, for this, because he thought that Anthony Davis was going to help contribute to the team's win total much sooner than the normal time period it takes for rookies. I actually buy into that. He was kind of a -a once-in-a-lifetime prospect. He's not on the same type of timeline as a guy drafted 10th overall or even the first overall pick in other years. But it doesn't work, and it's because it bloats your salary cap. By the time AD was really hitting his prime, though, and really becoming a force in the league, an MVP candidate, they had no cap space and couldn't really tinker around the edges enough to get this right, to take big swings, to take multiple big chances. You had one with DeMarcus Cousins, and that was it. But you look at a team like Philly, who consistently built through the draft and didn't add those young vets those NBA players, not prospects, and didn't sign those guys to big money deals and instead signed their rookies to extensions and had other guys on rookie deals. That works. And then by the time they wanted to make big moves and make a real big push, they managed to trade for not only Jimmy Butler, but Tobias Harris in the span of like two months. That's how you make moves because you had all those young guys on cheap deals so you can trade them and they're really valuable assets versus other guys on bigger contracts and bring in the players that you want. It makes a ton of sense. So the Suns have kind of found themselves in this situation. They've got a young, cheap core. You've got Devin Booker on his kind of extension, uh, not kind of extension, on his big extension, but then you have DeAndre Ayton, you have a couple of other young guys, and you have a top seven pick upcoming in this draft. But they're going to maybe move that pick or they're going to add someone with that pick. You're going to have Devin Booker, Ayton, and that guy be your core. And then they're going to sign overpriced free agents because no one really wants to go to Phoenix right now. Kind of like what they did with Trevor Ariza, but probably for multiple years. So you can't just move him. And they're going to basically mean make it so that this team can't go anywhere. Because by the time Ayton's really contributing, you know, nice enough rookie year, but it wasn't anything like, oh my God, this dude's a future superstar. By the time these guys contribute... And really, you're like, oh man, they're really good. They're not going to have the cap space to do anything. And you're going to end up floundering kind of like the Pelicans are, spinning the wheels, if you will. And I think that's what is going to end up happening. And also, I just don't trust the Phoenix Suns to really get this right whatsoever, even if they're trying to do this. I am a big believer, after going through the Dell Demps era, of you just got to be patient, build through the draft, basically like what Philly did. You know, 
some people don't like the process. I'm not a huge fan of the process they did of tearing it down to the studs like that. But I also like the idea of just draft guys every year, develop them, and then by the time you're ready to make a move, you'll have two guys on extensions, but maybe two or three guys still on their rookie deals, which make them easier to move. Also give you a ton of salary cap space should you want to spend it. And they were trying to get LeBron James and others over the summer. And you have the ability to do so, unlike the Pelicans, who haven't had cap space in so long, only had enough to sign Selman Hill to a $12.5 million a year deal. That wasn't even anything during that period of time, that summer when everyone got big money contracts. 12 dollars ain't going to get you a difference maker whatsoever, but when Philly had something like $30 million in cap space, yeah, it might be able to do that for you. And that's because they had guys on cheap rookie deals because they were patient. Phoenix Suns want to kind of accelerate this process a little bit more so, and that is a recipe for failure. But hey, you know what? They're in the Western Conference, so a team not getting good and not competing for the playoffs in the future in the tough West, A-OK by me. So keep doing what you plan on doing, James Jones. So that's going to do it for this edition of Lockdown Pelicans. Got your Alfred Payton season in review, an update on what's going on in the Pelicans front office. And we got to see the Phoenix Suns probably doom their franchise for another four to five years with bad decision making. So thank you all for listening. Don't forget to download the Himalaya podcast app and subscribe to Locked on Pelicans. And as always, I'm your host, Jake Madison at Nola Jake on Twitter, and I'll be back with you all tomorrow.